So this is the second Sunday of Advent, and like I said, we're just going to break things, deconstruct stuff, and tear it up and put it all back together the right way. How do you like that? So, it starts in Luke chapter 1. We're, yeah, I can tell you we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. That's just home base, Okay. We're going to run around a little bit. Um, Luke chapter 1, Zechariah is a priest serving in the temple. And the, you, know, you can go back to Leviticus and you can go back to Numbers and you can read how the priests are supposed to do things. They did things differently in the time of Jesus. Uh, there were a couple of practical reasons for that. You know, when they started out, it was the sons of Aaron and there were, you know, not enough to fill this room. Well, the sons of Aaron had sons, and those sons had sons, and those sons had sons, and those sons had sons. Before you know it, you've got so many Levites that are sons of Aaron that if you say, hey, somebody has to go in and burn incense, you've got a mob. And they're all like, me, 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 pick me, I want to do it, you know. So they arranged this kind of system where if you're the great, 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 grandson of Aaron and you have 397 cousins everybody picks and you have a day and your day might come up once every several years it might come up once in your lifetime because you've got so many cousins that are all authorized to bring in the incense and to burn the incense. So they burn incense every morning and every evening. And so you would learn how to do it. You would know how to do it. But it might take a really long time for your day to come that you are actually able to go and burn the incense. And so Zechariah comes. All of that is summed up in um, Luke chapter 1, verse 9. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So can you imagine if every day you went to work and it was your day to do this job, if we flipped the coin, we cast lots, and it fell on you. That's what I'm saying. It, it might happen once in a lifetime that you get the chance to do this. So he's in burning incense. And this is not in the Holy of Holies. This is not in the, in the restricted, you can only go in there on the Day of Atonement kind of thing. This is in the holy place, but there's still only going to be one person in there at this time. And it's going to be Zechariah. It's going to be the guy, this, the, the son of Aaron, great, 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 great grandson of Aaron, right? Who is permitted to go in and do that. So he goes in. The whole multitude of the people are praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. So what does this angel look like, according to this? We got nothing, right? We have no idea. We know he's standing there. He's not flying. He's not hovering in the air. He's standing there. Well, Zechariah is scared. Because every time an angel shows up in the Old Testament, a whole bunch of people die. That 
It's a given to, to the person. Um, the closest thing you can get to somebody not dying when an angel shows up in the Old Testament is when an angel is put at the door at the east of the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword to make sure nobody comes back in. <laughs> so that's the closest you get to no death. But that says Adam and Eve are spiritually dead being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. So he sees somebody in there. They're on the right side of the altar. He's scared. But we don't know for sure that he looked like fire. We don't know that this angel um, had wings. We don't know that he was glowing. We, it doesn't say anything about any of that. Okay. So there's this guy. If anybody else is in there while Zechariah is in there, there's two things that it could be. One is somebody really breaking the law. Somebody is really doing wrong. And remember, these guys believed that if we get everybody in Israel to obey the law for just one day, the Messiah will return. So to see somebody so blatantly breaking the law would just be really upsetting, right? Or it's a heavenly being, like the Lord or an angel has shown up in that place. And so, of course, he's scared. He's terrified. The other thing that he's doing, and um, I mean, this happens to me all the time, you guys. I'm sure it's happened to you. You're doing something really intense, right? Like you're pulling the pie out of the oven, and it's and it's sloshy on top, and you have to get it to the windowsill so it can cool. And right as you're doing that, somebody comes and they ask you where their socks are. And you're like, I didn't make it. And you say a bunch of stuff, right? You're, you're really careful. You're at the donut bank before you preach, and you put your coffee in, then you put your cream in, but you put too much cream in, and it's really, and you're going to your table, and you're really careful because you're not going to, you're safe to spill it. I don't know. That tension is what Zechariah is in the midst of. Because it's probably the only time in his entire life that he has been given the task of burning incense before the Lord on the altar of incense during the time of the sacrifice of incense. And he is in the holy place and he is burning incense. Right? I mean, just think about the, the most... Uh, heavy, I don't want to say burden, but just weighty, heavy, big time thing. And there's this guy standing there. <laughs> Not what you're expecting at all. So you know what he says? Um, he says, you know, Zechariah, don't be afraid. You're going to have a child. And your wife's going to have a child. We've heard you. You know, they, they saw this. Zechariah says to him, how shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. My wife is old. And the angel answered him. This is one of my favorite lines. I am Gabriel. This is my name. Here I am. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you 
and to bring you this good news. I am Gabriel. Like, so um, when Jacob wrestles this man that he comes across at night, and he wrestles him, and he wrestles him, and he wrestles him, and he says, what's your name? Knowing somebody's name gave you an element of control. It gave you an element of closeness. You know, if you, in ancient times, if you interacted with somebody, you wouldn't get their name if you're just interacting. It's kind of like when you go check out the grocery store, if you can get that person's name and say, you know, thanks, Steve. David working at Chick-fil-A, when people will say to him, you know, he knows their name because he's got their order or he's got their credit card. And he'll say, you know, thank you, Mr. Carnahan. Thanks, Jim. We'll have that for you. When they say back to him, thank you, David, they call him by name. There's a closeness and there's a there's kind of an ownership of something that happens there. So Gabriel, there's this distance. Zechariah is how do I know this is true? And Gabriel crosses that and he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. He's like, this is not a wasted trip, dude. I don't show up every time there's somebody in here burning incense to tell them something. I came from heaven. Oh, no. Notice he doesn't say, I stood in the presence of God. And notice he doesn't say, I will stand in the presence of God right there in the holy place with the incense burning. Gabriel says, present tense, I stand in the presence of God. So where is Zechariah? If Zechariah is standing there with Gabriel. Wow. Right. <gasps> so. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So is Gabriel punishing him? He's not punishing. It's not a, it's not a shame on you. It's a, remember Gideon? Remember how Gideon didn't believe stuff and we did stuff to prove? Okay, we're going to do stuff to you to prove that this is true. Because being able to talk is just one of the most basic things, right? I mean, you can't get more normal than that, just talking. And uh, when Zechariah comes out and he can't talk, that's going to get everybody's attention. And not to mention whatever the look is on his face, but nobody can describe it. And they're not going to hear about it for at least nine months. There he is. Well... Since we're talking about angels and we're talking about the things they say, we have to go, we have to go there. So there's this weird little thing in 2 Corinthians 12. And in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is writing a letter and the Corinthians are questioning whether Paul has the spiritual authority to be a teacher, to be an apostle. And it's almost like Paul is holding back and he's like, I don't, I don't want to tell him. Don't make me tell him. Don't, you don't want me to have to tell you. And they provoke him and they provoke him. So then 2 Corinthians 12, he says, all right, I'm going to tell you. I know a man in Christ 
who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. What? Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So this guy that Paul is talking about, which later Paul reveals that it was him, but he was trying to hold back and not brag, okay? He says he was caught up into heaven. He heard things that cannot be told, that, that man is not allowed to talk about. And I just, I think we, I want to hold on to that, that little bit in the context of Zechariah. Because Zechariah was not, because of his little bit of unbelief and unsurety, he was not allowed to talk about something so holy as Gabriel being there in the presence of God, in front of Zechariah, proclaiming these things to him, right? Because what's going to happen? Zechariah comes out, he mo- it says he motioned and through signals, he explained that he saw an angel. Did he explain that his wife's going to have a baby? We don't know. Once his wife was pregnant, Elizabeth, she's pregnant, she has a baby, they are all going to name him Zechariah because that is naming him. And he motions that he's, they're going to name him John. And it's confusing. But when he says his name is John, those are the first words he says since this event. So all of this holy... Like if I asked you to tell me about something that happened to you nine months ago or ten months ago, talk about memory, right? Uh... I mean, yeah, I need my journal to check and reference. I mean, I can give you the general stuff. This event that happened to Zechariah was so precious and so holy that he wasn't allowed to talk about it until it came to be, until it happened. Awesome. So, Elizabeth becomes pregnant. She is pregnant with John the Baptist. In the sixth month of her pregnancy, the angel, this is back in Luke, back to Luke chapter 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This is so moving to me. Gabriel, again, sent by God. He is, he is not, um, he's not just doing it. This is a, an on-purpose, deliberate thing that God is doing. And so he sent Gabriel to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So this is Mary. She is not married. She is promised to be married to a guy named Joseph. And um, we don't know, we know what customs are and typical customs were. We don't know the specific custom for them exactly, but it was probably one of these where um, her family knew his family. Uh, I've, I've heard one, one scholar 
and there's a couple other folks that believe this too, that Joseph could have been married before and was a widower. And, um, and since he was not too old yet, that, that a family might have said, hey, you should marry Mary, that kind of thing. We don't know the exact details of that. Um, but we know that she's not married. We know that she has never been married. And that Gabriel is talking to her. So it says, He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. All right, so there's Mary. This is, this is how we all picture it, right? You can't help it. There's Mary. And Gabriel appears. And he's this shining light. And it's really bright, and she's blocking her eyes, right? And she's probably on her knees. That's what all the movies show. She's on her knees, and there's this bright light shining. That's not in here. She saw a, Gabriel came to her and talked to her, is what it says. So let, let's really go there. Most of the places... In the Bible, when an angel shows up to visit people, looks like a normal man. Looks like a completely normal man. Looks like such a normal man that people don't know it's an angel. So here's some examples. Um, Joshua is on his way into the promised land. And he sees a man standing there with a sword. And he falls down on his face and he says, are you with us or are you against us? Now, we talked about this when we talked about Joshua. Something about that man looked different to Joshua. And he looked so different that Joshua didn't attack him. But Joshua saw his sword. And swords were a way of showing what nation you were from, what technology you had. And I say technology, really, technology, right? Do you have a blacksmith or do you just have rocks and sticks? That's technology. So something about this man, Joshua saw and he fell on his face. But it doesn't say he had light coming out of his face. It doesn't say he was glowing, he wasn't flying, he didn't have wings. He was just there. Joshua falls on his face and he says, are you on our side or are you against us? And he says, as commander of the armies of God, I have now come. Wow, power, right? When God shows to Moses in the burning bush, there's fire like the glory of God. The bush doesn't burn up, but there's no mention of an angel. It's actually God. When Jacob wrestles with the guy all night and he says, let me go. The, the guy says, let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the dude hits Jacob, knocks his hip out of the socket. Oh, <laughs> he says, all right, now you're blessed. Your name is Israel because you wrestled with God and you won. And he leaves. They were wrestling at night. It wasn't a man made out of light. He wasn't flying. It was just like, it was just like if 
me and Jim started wrestling. Now, no, I already picked on Jim. If me and Ed started wrestling, it was that earthy. It, there wasn't anything cosmic, okay? But it was an angel. All right, I got one more. These angels come and they visit Abraham. And Abraham comes out and he goes, Oh, please, come, eat at my house, have some food. Something about them made him eager to show them hospitality, but they weren't scary. They weren't glowing. They weren't made out of light, anything like that. They looked normal. When they went into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot saw them and said, Hey guys, you should, you're, you're travelers. You should come stay here because it's dangerous out here in the square. If they looked like, you know, Gabriel in the cartoons, muscle, right? Uh, chiseled cheekbones, perfectly shaved muscle dude. Do you think Lot would have said, ooh, you guys better come in here and be safe? No. He would have been like, I'm glad you're here to beat up all these Sodom and Gomorians because they're terrible people. They looked, they looked weak enough that Lot brought them in. So put all of that in your hopper whenever you hear about angels that they, they needed hospitality. There was something about, it was probably Jesus that Joshua saw with the sword. But when Jacob wrestled that guy, he wasn't afraid to wrestle him all night. But he didn't give up. All right, but I got to be fair, because there are some places where angels show up, and it's not normal. Uh, the angel of the Lord that shows up on Passover and wipes out the firstborn of every family in Egypt, you never see him. It's mentioned, the angel of the Lord is mentioned, but there's no description of what it looked like. And then, the angel of the Lord that appears to Daniel. Oh. So Daniel is having visions. This is in Daniel 8. Daniel is having visions of kingdoms and empires and all these wild vision things. And he's confused by what he sees in these visions. In the midst of these visions, as Daniel 8, verse 16, I heard a man's voice between the banks of the river, and it called out, Gabriel, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So Daniel is seeing visions of heaven and kingdoms and this voice and he's confused. And this voice says, Gabriel, go explain this. Help him understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. So Daniel is about to speak to Gabriel. Gabriel has been sent to explain all these visions to Daniel. It's the same Gabriel. Understand, son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and he made me stand up. Gabriel. That same Gabriel in 600 B.C., in Daniel's vision of the whole future and the end of the world, shows up to Zechariah and then shows up to Mary. As far as 
the Bible goes, as far as church tradition goes, as far as rabbinical tradition goes, Gabriel didn't talk to anybody else between that time. Isn't that radical? 600 years. Angel said to her, this is back in Luke 1, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Oh, wait, we got to talk about this. So when he calls, he greets her. And he says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Um, So when they translated the Bible into Latin, when they talked about Mary, and they said, blessed, and then, and then they translate it back out of Latin into English, we get, blessed are you, or uh, Mary full of grace. That's what it is. Mary full of grace. So there's this funny business that happens in Greek where you can be full of something and you've been filled with it, but there's another kind of full that means you're full of it and you share it. Does that make sense? So if I say, I am fat with Twinkies, that either means I've eaten so many Twinkies that I can't move, or it means if any of y'all want Twinkies, just come ask me and I'll give you a whole bunch. But it's the same sentence. It's the same words, right? And so when, um, when the Vulgate was happening and Latin, the, the Greek New Testament was being translated into Latin, and uh, Constantine was, um, you know, had spread the Roman Empire with Christianity and, and government and church had all been mixed together. This notion of Mary being full of grace flipped from being shown a whole lot of grace to uh, you need to pray to her and ask her to give you grace, right? That's where all that came from, from the, from the, the way this got translated. So she's fat with grace because it's been given to her a whole bunch because she gets to be the mother of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not that she's bestowing it. It's that she's been given it. Um, So that's why a a lot of more modern Protestant translations of the Bible try to stay as far away from full of grace as possible because... They want to emphasize she's been shown it. She's been given it. All right. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb. You will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Wow. So Zechariah got the message from Gabriel. Your son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. He's going to turn sons to their fathers and fathers to their sons. And he's going to bring a new day in Israel. And Zechariah was like, how do I know this is going to happen? Right? Gabriel shows up to Mary And he says, you're going to have a son. And he is going to sit on the throne of his father, David. Now, Mary was a descendant of David. So to say his father, David, meant, you know, his great, 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 great grandfather, whatever. But she's in the line of David. 
And so her son is going to be a king. That would be crazy, right? That would be very unexpected. But not only that, he's going to be named Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Yeshua, which is what Joshua, which kind of translate Yeshua into Joshua also, um, which means he will save his people. He will save his people. So you're going to name your kid. He's going to save his people. He's going to save his people like Joshua did. So you immediately think, oh, like Joshua did. Wow. Promised land. Opening the promised land. Conquering evil. Right? That's, that's what your boy is going to be. But not only that, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. So if you are a first century Jewish person, there is a kingdom that's coming and you're looking for it. And I think I've said before, the rabbis, they, could, they believed that it would be so different when the Messiah came that you could walk outside and look. Oh, it's different. And you could see that the Messiah had come and a new era was upon us. Uh, certainly all the Romans would be gone because they're all evil, Gentile, wicked people, right? So they're going to kick off. And they all charge us a whole bunch of taxes. So, of course, they'll all be gone. Um, it's a kingdom that will last forever. When the Messiah comes, he'll sit on David's throne and he'll never lose his throne. He'll sit on his throne forever. So if you tell Mary, your son is going to come, he's going to be king, he's going to sit on David's throne and rule forever, that means this is it. This is the end of the world. This is the final time. Isn't it wild? The last time Gabriel, not counting Zechariah, but the last time he was talking to people, it was to Daniel about the end of the world. The end of the world, Daniel. This is a sign about the end of the age. He shows up to Zechariah. He says, Zechariah, this is going to happen. This is going to make way. Your kid is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. He shows up to Mary. He says, Mary, your son is the end of the world. There's no more kingdoms after him. This is it. Whoa. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I've, some translations say, I've never known a man. Some say I'm a virgin. Um, she is not asking because she doesn't believe it. She's asking because she doesn't, just has no idea how this works, right? How is this even going to happen? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the child be born, that will be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. You're going to have a miracle, baby. It's going to be a miracle, and it's going to be such a miracle that something that nobody could, well, your own family isn't even going to believe it's going to happen, right? Totally out there. That's how it's going to be. Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was once called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. You know, um... So when we share prayer requests, I like to talk about my buddy PJ, whose mom was in the ICU and how she came out. 
Because it's always good when you're about to pray for something that seems hopeless or seems hard to be reminded that God specializes in hopeless things. Right? Mary, you've never been with a man. You don't even know a man. You might not even know Joseph. You might be betrothed to him, but you might not have ever seen him before, and you're going to have a baby. How is this even possible? You know Elizabeth? You know how old she is? Yeah. Six months pregnant right now. What? Six months pregnant? Elizabeth, she's old. Yep. She's old. She's going to have a baby. I got to go visit her. That's what happened, right? Mary. He, he tells her something to encourage her faith, to build her up while she is receiving this amazing, unbelievable news. What, what a practice it is, right? What a practice it is for us to do, to do that same thing. Um, when, we, when we have something to pray about, when I, there's a point where um, I was looking for a job and we really need the Lord to come through and I really need work. And so what was my bedtime story every night during that time? All these miracles that God had worked to give me all my past jobs and how miraculous all of those were. So that when we prayed and Lord, give daddy a good job, we had all this faith built up and all this confidence that God Wow, look at how God delivered here. Look at how God delivered here. Look at how God delivered here. Now, am I ashamed to go ask him for something? Why? Because look at all this stuff that he did. And so I can boldly go and say, God, give me a great, give daddy a great job. Give me a great job. Do whatever. That's what, that's what Gabriel's doing with this. So, I gotta skip down there. Oh, I'm in the wrong thing. I went to the wrong chapter. There we go. Um, How will this be? Her question was not out of doubt. She did not need proof. She just kind of wanted to know what happens next, right? That's why he doesn't say, I stand in the presence of God, and now you're going to be quiet for nine months. Ah! And you could not have a mute pregnant lady, but that's another thing. So Mary gets up, and in haste it says, don't you love that? That's... Man, you guys, uh, let's hear it for reading your Bible really slow and taking in every word. We, oh, we imagine, you know, it was Mary and she's you know, out in the garden somewhere and the light is bright and this angel shows to her. It could have been, it could have looked just like a guy walking through, coming into where her house is and say, Mary, you are so full of God's grace. God has filled you with his grace. She'd be like, what? Who are you? Why are you making a big deal? Oh, your son is going to be king on David's throne. You're going to have a boy. How, how can I even have a boy? I'm not, I'm not even married. Right? It could have been that simple. It could have been that um, carnal or that, that plain not necessarily with, with visions and, oh, and angels singing and bright lights. It could have been this guy came up and she's like, you're an honored foreigner, right? Just like Abraham saw those guys. Hey, honored foreigners, come eat. She's like, honored foreigner, here. And he's like, greetings, Mary, 
stuffed with God's grace. What? So she hears all that from this traveler. He leaves. She leaves in haste. And she goes about a hundred miles is how far away Elizabeth was. So think through, you know, travel in those days, how dangerous travel was in those days, how dangerous travel was for a woman in those days. Just there's a lot of difficulty there. But in that little sentence, she went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, her old relative. Some translations say cousin, and we immediately start doing the math to figure out how they were cousins. Cousin is just a really general word, super general. Um, She's just a relative. She's somehow in the same descendants lineage, but not necessarily had parents that were siblings. Does that make sense? When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, she's six months pregnant, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she shouted out really loud. Now, I don't think this was some sort of uncontrollable trance. Um, Some TV shows have her like, blah, 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 blah. You know, I think think she had, I think she had the joy. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, kindness, tenderness, self-control, patience. I think she had all of the fruits of the Spirit at once. (gasps) What's that going to do if the second one is joy? Okay? And it's not joy like I just got everything on my list joy. It is Holy Spirit joy. She says with a loud cry, Mary, blessed are you among all women, and blessed is the baby in your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. How does Elizabeth, how would she say the mother of my Lord? How would she know anything about Mary being a mother? Because Zechariah can talk now. Zechariah has had time to recount what happened when he saw Gabriel when he was the one that talked to Gabriel just before, you know, well, six months before he talked to Mary, and he's able to say, listen, this angel told me that our son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. I don't know who he is, but he's coming. And so if you knew your baby was going to announce the coming of the Messiah, and a lady shows up, and your baby goes nuts in your womb. <gasps> I know why. This is it. This hasn't happened before. I've visited all kinds of pregnant moms, and he never went nuts like this. This has got to be it. Holy Spirit came upon her, and she is like, I have been waiting. Blessed are you. It's you. You won. That's how excited she is when she sees Mary. That's what that event was like. When the sound of your green came to my ears, the baby in my womb left for joy. 
Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She's talking to Mary. And she's saying, you are going to be blessed because you believed God. Wow. This is Romans right here. You believed. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Is Mary righteous here because she birthed Jesus? No, she's already blessed because she believed God. She believed God. Wow. We are going to stop right there at the most exciting part of the movie. Ah! Um, as, we, as we go through Christmas, you know, this is real. This has really happened. These were real events that people, um, you know, Mary, probably 16, 17 years old in a, in a culture where everybody was married by 18 easily, sees this angel, gets a, a um, everybody's been quiet. They haven't had a prophet in Israel for 400 years. And instead of prophets, they have had Rome. And instead of um, words from the Lord, they have been paying taxes to oppressors. Um, at, at one point, and around the, the 160s, 200s BC, Judas Maccabees raised up and had a revolt because somebody went into the temple and sacrificed a pig on the altar. A Gentile sacrificed a pig on the altar to defame God. And, and just, just soil his name. And so this is just super, super hurting, longing for a Savior time. And then all of a sudden, they're trying to be faithful. They're burning incense every day. They're doing the Day of Atonement. They're doing all the offerings. And this dude comes out and he can't talk. And he motions that there was an angel in there. And all of a sudden, it's like something's going to happen. You guys remember when we had like five blood moons in a year and everybody freaked out and the internet went nuts. It's the end of the world. We're all going to die. This, this is happening to them. This, did you guys hear? This priest came out from burning incense and he couldn't talk and they say he saw an angel. <gasps> Puts everybody on alert. Elizabeth, old, old lady Elizabeth is pregnant. She's the wife of that guy that couldn't talk, that priest. Something's about to happen. Elizabeth knows stuff. Maybe Zechariah and she were the only ones that knew because they think they're crazy. I mean, if I went around saying, my son's going to bring about the Messiah, you guys would think I was crazy. And then all of a sudden, Mary shows up and they realize this is it. It's happening. Just imagine that excitement in that family. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you did this, that you came into real life, that you totally uh, changed the game from a bunch of laws and an unapproachable God who dwells in holiness to a pregnant young lady that was honoring you and obedient to you and believing, having faith in you that you would save your people from, your sin, from our sins. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to really bring this in and that it wouldn't just be 
another holiday, that it wouldn't just be another hustle bustle of traditions and stuff, but that we would really grasp that you came and that you are here. And thanks to that, just like Gabriel, we dwell in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.